Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In this week's Gospel, we pick up exactly where we left off last week. We're still with Matthew in chapter 5. We're still on top of that mountain with Jesus. For the past two weeks, Jesus has been teaching us the Beatitudes. He's been telling us how we are to live our lives. Essentially, it's his vision of Christianity. Well, this week, it's different. Now he's telling us how not to live and what to avoid, which is sin itself. Better yet, Jesus teaches us the origins of sin. That's why he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. Instead, I have come to fulfill the law. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, the prophets always focused on the people's actions, and their actions were sinful. But here in today's gospel, Jesus looks deeper into it. He looks at the interior disposition of our souls. What's the source of our action? You know, it reminds me of the old saying about the farmer and the mice getting into his house. The farmer doesn't intend to trap the mice. Instead, he wants to know where they're getting in so he can stop the problem immediately. Well, this is what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us about sin and how radical it can be in our lives. More to it, how it requires a radical response upon us to eradicate the sin in our lives. There once was a story about a young woman in California. I'm sure many of you probably have heard about it or read about it. It occurred about six or seven years ago. A young woman was surfing off the coast of California, and suddenly she was attacked by a shark. It grabbed her arm and pulled her under the water. Now, for a split second, she thought to herself, if I don't do something, this shark's going to kill me. So it called for a radical act on her part. Now, while underwater, in the grasp of the shark, she began to hit the shark's nose with her free arm. And then, with her two feet, she began to kick at the shark's eyes, hoping to somehow injure the shark, and then the shark would release her. Now, as this was all taking place, the shark bit down and severed her arm completely off. Now, despite all this, this young woman still had the presence of mind to make it to the surface and then be, become rescued, and she was saved. Now, in this case, the girl faced a radical situation, being attacked by a shark, which required a radical response on her part. I think this is at the heart of the teaching for this weekend. For the past two weeks, Jesus, yes, he's laid out his vision of Christianity through the Beatitudes and how we are to live our lives. While now he's telling us what to avoid. More importantly, Jesus focuses on that interior disposition of our soul, the root of our behavior. That's where sin lies. 
at the root of our soul. And from there, it can produce behavior that can be contrary to the teachings of Christ as well as the will of God. Now, Jesus continues. He says, Therefore, whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches another to do so will be called least in the kingdom. Well, this tells us how radical sin is. It's not something that we can just talk about in passing or laugh off. Sin has a direct consequence on the mortality of our souls. It requires a radical response in our behalf to avoid it and then also help others avoid it. Now, I know this talk may make us feel a little bit unsettled or uncomfortable, but if you study all four of the Gospels, Jesus uses this type of hard language countless times, again and again. Now, another way of looking at this is over the past two weeks, Jesus has given us the Beatitudes, which is the new law for Christianity. Now he's telling us the consequence of not following that law. Go to the great spiritual masters, Augustine, Bonaventure, Benedict, Francis. They wrote about the spiritual danger. They referred to it as warfare. Sin requires a radical response on our part to combat these spiritual dangers. Therefore, we have to tend to this gospel very carefully and very seriously. We can't take it lightly. Now, Jesus continues. He says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, we use our hands to reach out and grab things, right? Where do we see in the Bible people reaching out and trying to grab at something and then getting into serious trouble? Well, Genesis, Adam and Eve and the fall of grace, they grasp at the forbidden fruit. Now, mind you, original sin, yes, was ushered into the world, but not simply from eating the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But instead, by that act of grasping for that fruit, did sin enter into this world. Adam and Eve, they reach and they grab at that fruit. Why? Because they saw God as a rival rather than a friend. They thought that God was trying to keep them down, keep them from becoming gods themselves. So in that act of grabbing, Adam and Eve wanted to be equal to God. Now, unfortunately, this same thing continues in our day and age. Now, you say to yourself, oh, that's crazy. No, it's true. It's called moral relativism. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard about it and even read about it. Moral relativism is one in which the individual says, I am the sole arbiter or the sole determinant of what is morally good and evil in my life and in the world, not God. The danger, the whole moral life, is now relative to each individual person. What I believe to be morally good and evil is different from you and from you and from you. What's the intended consequence? I can now justify anything at all. Give me some examples. Say I'm a production line worker, and I say to myself, you know, our company made millions of dollars in profit last year. And I didn't get a bonus. In fact, none of us who work on the line got a bonus. All the vice presidents got a bonus. The president got a bonus. But we didn't. Then I look over at the tools at my workplace. And I say to myself, you know, I'm going to take some of those tools home with me. 
that's going to be my bonus. You know, I contributed to the success of this company. Therefore, I'm going to take those tools home. That's my bonus. Now, I justified stealing. It's noon, and I go to the break room, and I find a group of my fellow co-workers essentially gossiping about a person, a co-worker, and I chime in, I participate, and I say some terrible things that tear down this person's character as well as their integrity. Now, I walk away, and I say to myself, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, everybody else was chiming in, you know, to gossip about this person. So did I. So I didn't do anything wrong. In fact, this guy will never hear what I said about him. And therefore, he won't be hurt. Well, wrong. Now I just justified gossiping. Well, Thomas Aquinas once said, Gossiping is a sin against the fifth commandment. Because when you gossip about somebody and tear down their character and their good name, Aquinas would say, you have now killed their good name. Take it to an extreme. World War II, the Nazis, they rationalized the extermination of the Jews. They said, well, it's necessary. You know, we have to get rid of these people in order for us to create the master race. Therefore, they justified genocide of the Jewish people. See, now you see why moral relativism is so very dangerous. Unfortunately, it's becoming more and more prevalent in our country, in our culture, and worse yet, it's seeping into our church. You can essentially justify anything from stealing to gossiping, even killing people. What does Jesus say? It requires a radical act on our part. Jesus says we must cut our hands off. Spiritually speaking, he's saying stop seeing God as a rival. Instead, see God and recognize that God is the sole arbiter, the sole determinant of what is morally good and evil in this world. Therefore, we must follow it. Next, Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I've always said baptism is the second greatest event in our life. The first is when we see the beatific vision, when we come face to face with God in heaven. That's when we know we've made it. Now we're going to be with God and all the saints and the angels and our relatives in heaven forever. Therefore, the whole spiritual life can be summed up about one thing, looking for and seeing the presence of God in our life, and in this world, and then acting on it. But if our eyes are distracted by the allure of something else in this world, whatever it is, fame, fortune, power, honor, notoriety, then we can't see that presence of God, and we can't respond or act upon it. It requires a radical act on our part, a radical response. Jesus tells us we have to pluck our eyes out, Spiritually speaking, what is he saying? We have to look away from all those things in this world that could distract us from the presence of God in our life. Look at the saints. Their whole lives were about this. Their focus and their attention was always riveted on the presence of God in their life, and they acted upon it. That's what made them saints. Well, we have to do the same thing ourselves. 
For the past two weeks, Jesus has taught us the Beatitudes, how to live our lives as his authentic followers. This week, it's harder teaching. Jesus teaches us how radical sin is. It can affect how we live out the teachings of Christ. Therefore, sin requires a radical act on our part. We must eradicate it in order to make sure that it doesn't prevent us from always living the moral and the spiritual life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.